0: Records are there to be broken, and Max Verstappen did just that in Mexico City when he took an unprecedented 16th win of the season.
1: Max Verstappen into the Four soul, taking the adulation of 30,000 fans. He's about to take the all-time season win record. He held it before at 15. It's going to be the sweetest 16th victory of the season for Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen wins the Mexico
0: City Grand Prix. Ferrari stole Max's thunder in qualifying, but the world champion took back control at the first corner and never looked back. Behind him, there was some stunning racing giving us plenty to debrief here on F1 Nation. And joining me, Tom Clarkson, are Natalie Pinkham and former F1 driver, and once upon a time, a local hero in these parts, Esteban Gutierrez. To start the show, let's hear from our winner, the man who can do no wrong this year, Max Verstappen. Max, very well done to you. From turn one onwards, this victory never looked in doubt. How did it feel from inside the cockpit?
2: Yeah, I think um, that start definitely made it a bit easier for me in the the first stint as well. Also because I I was going to do a two-stop, so yeah, that of course gave me those extra couple seconds that would you know look great on the plot anyway if we would have made it happen. So um, yeah, just. The tyres run here, you know, it's always very hard to to manage, but I think we had quite decent pace in them. Then, of course, we we opted to to box a bit earlier. And, um, yeah, I think also on on the hard tyre we were quite competitive and I closed a lot of that that pit stop back down. Yeah, I think the the strategy was was looking great, but then, of course, we had the red flag. So basically everything that we did, (laughs) we could throw in the bin and uh, start over. And um, then again, it was all about, you know, having a good start and try to keep the lead into turn one, which we did. And after that, it was just, you know, pace management to the end to keep the tyres alive, looking after the car, the brakes, you know, everything.
0: It was two excellent starts from you this afternoon. Can you talk us through the first one? You got away very well. How nervous were you being three wide going into turn one?
2: No, not nervous at all. I mean, it's not the first time that I've been uh, too wide or too wide into turn one here. But also, I mean, we all trust each other. And of course, you are all, we're all on the limit uh, breaking uh, into the corner. But but then, yeah, of course, I saw on my outside that something happened. But yeah, luckily, we on the inside, we, we
0: could stay out of trouble. And Max, final one from me. Another record falls your way this afternoon. Sweet 16, your 16th win of this season. It's been 31 wins since the start of last season, which is as many as Nigel Mansell scored in his entire career. Just give us your thoughts, please. It's been another incredible
2: season. I mean, you know, the car has been unbelievable to drive in most places. So, um, yeah, when you then as a team work really well together and you try not to make too many mistakes over the whole season, then you can achieve something like this. So, of course, I'm, I'm very proud of the achievement. Because I think after last year when I won 15, I was like, well, if I can ever try and replicate something like that, I would be very happy. And now we are here uh, with 16. And so, yeah, just very happy with, you know, everyone's performance in, in the team, you know, for the whole year uh, for not making uh, a lot of mistakes.
0: Esteban, first time we've had you on the pod. Sum up the year and the
3: race that Max Verstappen's just driven. Yeah, I mean, what Max is doing um, in the position that he is, is maximizing... Everything he has, and it's just impressive to see. Uh, when you're a driver, you admire the capacity for other drivers that they have to perform at that level. In the same case as as Lewis did in in uh, in many occasions, in, in many years, as we all know. And today, Lewis did a fantastic a fantastic race, and and Max again showed that you know he he is there to win the race, no matter what place he starts. And even though he already won the championship. He's just putting, you know, the same or more energy into the result and the races that he's doing.
4: I know you're sitting here in your Mercedes kit, but I bet there's a little part of you that would love to drive that RB19, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you love to see how you would fare in that car?
3: Of course. I mean, every, I mean, me personally, I would love to see, to see myself uh, driving the best car and the quickest car in the world. I did try the, the Mercedes championship winning cars. I had the opportunity to drive them but it always comes to your mind when, when you're at the racetrack and, and you are here in Mexico as a Mexican, of course, it comes to my mind that, you know, it would be nice to be driving the fastest car and win a race. <laughs> Max really was inch perfect today. Just
0: think about the two starts he made. Oh, I mean, actually,
4: that's a really good point, TC, because Christian Horner said to us on air today, really, starts have not been our strength. And it's, it's difficult to find a weakness with red bull this year but you'd have to say the one perhaps tiny chink in their armor has been their starts and yet today phenomenal from max verstappen at the restart as well it's so interesting that we had a red flag at the halfway point so effectively created two races and yet both of them he was perfect but you know
0: it's all about minimizing your weaknesses right and do you remember after the austin grand prix max complimented his start engineer over the radio saying, I can't remember what his name is, but he just said, well done, we've got it. Or we've nailed it or something. And uh, he's done it again this weekend. So if that was their weakness, pinks it's no longer. How how
4: difficult is it? Because I mean, I I can only imagine the pressure that builds, the anticipation, the adrenaline. How difficult is it to nail the perfect start? And how satisfying is it when you do?
3: Oh, it's incredible. It's one of the most satisfying moments, to be honest. Um, and it also feeds your ego <laughs> when when you make an amazing start, right? So um, there are so many variables involved in making a good start happen, because it's not only up to the driver; it's also down to the information that you need and the feedback you need from your team, and the right settings on the on the car to make that you know perfect start. And and yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's one of the most important or let's say the most basic important things that happens in a race.
0: How many more do you think he can win this year, Pinks?
4: Well, I mean, he casually, <laughs> he casually said to Jensen, didn't he? 17, 18. I mean, it's like it, he's sort of dictating his own record setting
1: and the Mexico City Grand Prix is go, with a good reaction time for the Ferraris, but Max Verstappen is trying to dart between the pair of them. The slipstreaming that we normally see is not happening, Verstappen's got a good launch, he's already up to second, I reckon that's the race lead in the inside line, Checo Perez trying to go right the outside, he's made contact, he's made contact with Charles Leclerc into the first corner, Perez spins round.
5: We have a puncture
3: of suspension damage. When
6: we do it, I okay.
3: damage. Okay, come in, come in, Fox.
6: You. I'm really sorry to see you out of your home race. Tremendous start from you, but then it all went wrong into Turn 1. Where do you feel the blame lies in that incident? To be honest, I really feel it's a, it was a racing incident. The gap was there, and obviously, as a driver, you take a risk going three, three cars into Turn 1 with these white cars. And um, I took a risk that um, I paid a high price for it. But um, I was also honestly not expecting Charles to break that late uh, as he was in the middle, so he had a bit less room manoeuvre and um, as I was ahead of him I thought he was going to bail out a bit more but obviously in those decisions everything happens really late and uh, unfortunately I had a lot of damage in my car. You're a Formula 1 driver but you're also a human who feels emotions, pressure, how are you feeling with all that pressure on you at the moment, all the noise surrounding you? I feel as privileged as ever you know I mean look, look at the crowd there is no no one that has experienced this amount of support, and I'm um, second in the championship. There are still three good races to go, and I tried to go for the win at my home grand prix. I mean, what else could I have done and uh, or do? You know, I, I saw so the gap, I went for it. Yeah, I, I risked it too much, but uh, I wanted the win today.
4: Absolute heartbreak for Sergio Perez, and yet there's something about the Mexican fans that they did not leave their seats, and it was an electric atmosphere afterwards. And Sergio's, you know, wasn't on the podium, which was, you know, such a shame, because you really thought he could do it today, didn't you? Oh
0: my goodness, I did. And I think he did for about the first five seconds.
4: What a launch he had.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a pity for for Mexico, for, for Checo, but I think he was really brave on trying that move.
4: Do you? I mean, I wondered whether it was just a bit of a risk too much. Why couldn't have he bided his time? You know, you know he's in a great car, I feel like so much emphasis was put on the start. Everyone talking about that all-important massive rundown to turn one. And he did get a brilliant start. Yeah. But it just, I don't know, I think he could have just been a bit more patient maybe.
3: Yes, I agree. I mean, in that kind of situation as a driver, when you get at such a good start, you go all-in sometimes. And, uh, and that's when sometimes you find that, you know yourself in that kind of situation. There was a bit of unluck unlucky position there as well, because Max moved a bit to the left and then squeezed Charles. And then, of course, Charles had nowhere to go. So if we think about it, yes, it was probably a bit, you know, too aggressive. But yeah, it's it's just a shame, but I'm sure he'll he'll recover quickly.
0: I'm not sure that Checo knew that Max was on the inside, actually, because I think you are quite blind here. But also, Esteban, what about the fan factor? here in Mexico City. You raced here for Haas in 2016. How, how supercharged do you feel as a
3: driver? No, it's an incredible feeling. The best experience of my career I had was here in Mexico, in Mexico City at the Grand Prix in 2016. I'll tell you guys a story that I remember and I will remember forever. I was on the driver's parade. I don't think there's many tracks where you have so many people in like a stadium, right? So here we have the Forosol, which is maybe between 40 and 60,000 people. I jump out of my car, because they were gonna do an interview for me uh, in front of of the crowd, and I wave my hand up in the air, and 40,000 people start screaming my name, and they all reacted to my my hand. So the feeling and the goosebumps and the energy that you get from that is insane. And it's an experience that I will never forget in my life. It was a very special moment in, in my career and I feel very grateful for having the opportunity to live such an experience.
4: I bet, I mean, that is just incredible. You, we all felt charged by the energy this weekend, oh, didn't we? Thanks, the grid. Oh, it was just, it was insane. I wonder what the answer is in terms of harnessing that energy, not being overwhelmed by it, but maybe not making rash decisions because of it. As you say, you can feel supercharged by that and perhaps not have that rational calm that you need at the start of a race but you know I can't criticise Sergio because he got a brilliant launch and it's just oh I was just gutting to see and there was a lot of damage I was actually surprised there wasn't more damage on Charles' car.
0: Guys what do you think Red Bull make of it all because the pressure's now on. Lewis Hamilton is now just 20 points behind Checo in the World Championship.
4: And if Lewis hadn't been disqualified last weekend, that would yeah. be a very different story well, already. Be two points. Then. Exactly. So thanks for doing the maths, because <laughs> I couldn't.
0: <laughs> but I mean, Esteban, how how important is it for Checo in that car to finish second?
3: I think not only for Checo, but for any driver that is on the grid is is crucial to perform. And obviously not making uh, mistakes, Finishing races and being close to your teammate. If you are more than three tenths away from your teammate, I think it starts to be like a bit of a yellow card, right? And I think it's for any driver in the grid. So, I don't know. I mean, Red Bull keeps saying that he's confirmed for next year. We are both Mexicans. I, as a Mexican, I support him. As a team, not as much. <laughs> I support Mercedes. He's sitting here team. in his
4: Mercedes kit.
3: <laughs> yeah. Is Checo now the most famous sports star in mexico yeah i think so he's done really well and being in a platform like red bull with a good car achieving the results that he has achieved representing mexico is certainly you know a position that uh, you know he's maximizing and, and doing doing a good job not only on track but also outside of the track commercially
1: Across the line for second place comes Lewis Hamilton with the fastest lap on the 71st and last tour to take another podium a great result for Mercedes. Yes guys.
7: Yes. Oh, I'm so happy with that man. Thank you so much for the great pit stop great strategy. Typical weekend but to come away with good points. That's mega, thank you. Lloyd's fantastic. Now we just need to give you a car that can win.
0: We'll get there. Lewis, if we can come to you, great race by you today. Another second place. This one you get to keep. Just how much <laughs> satisfaction did that's today give you? So far, do not seem too soon. <laughs> but
7: uh, yeah, uh, congrats to, to Max. Great day, I was not expecting to be up here with these guys. Difficult weekend, um, it started out, but yeah, I just kept my nose clean at the beginning of the race and then just really trying to manage the tires and maximize and, and progress forwards. And when I noticed that I had the pace on Carlos and with the undercut is uh, really worked quite well so um, the team did a great job I think with strategy and then of course the red flag probably played into our hands in terms of uh, getting onto the fresh attire at the end but I just I didn't know whether or not the medium would make it that long I was trying to see if I could close the gap to to Max but he was long long gone and I could only just about uh, equal these times so
0: um, yeah but great result for the team really proud of everyone. Given that you weren't that happy with the car during practice, uh, where was it better today? What have you changed? I uh, didn't change really.
7: Well, we didn't change anything obviously since qualifying. Um, I think the car is just quite peaky within in qualifying on light fuel, but when you put a load of fuel in it, the car just handles nicer, just nicer to drive. And uh, I think we struck a really nice a nice setup this weekend, and particularly today for the race. Um, other than that, it's just really good tire management. So yeah, I generally enjoyed it. It's not the most physical of races, being that you don't, you, you can't push all the way. You're saving, you're doing two hundred, three hundred metres of lift and coast to save and keep the car cool and, and stop it from uh, failing. So um, yeah, but I was, I was definitely hoping maybe there'll be an opportunity to get closer to Max, but maybe, maybe next week. Lewis, you
0: talk about tyre management. You set the fastest lap of the race on the final lap on those mediums. Does that suggest you could have pushed a little bit harder than you actually did during that stint?
7: Yeah, for sure. I could have pushed a little bit harder, but um, I did at one time try to see. I was like, okay, I think I've saved enough. Let me see if I can try and close this gap to max. <laughs> I think it was like 10 laps to go. And I did a twenty-two-zero, and Max did a 21-9. I was like, eh, I'll leave it. <laughs> he was just cruising at twenty 9 So um, I thought I'd leave it there. And also I had to be careful because obviously I, my tyres... If i really pushed them for the, the last 10 laps they probably would have opened up and who knows maybe
0: charles would have caught me up so i just had to be cautious of that there wasn't much lift and coast from you on lap 40 when you passed shoal Leclerc. No, uh, <laughs> no talk us through that move
7: uh, yeah um honestly this weekend we've, we've been very very slow on the straight in general we've were quite dragging on the straights uh, more often than not, but this weekend, you know, like yesterday, we were losing like two and a half tenths just into turn one before we even start braking. So these guys were very slippery on the straights. Um, so trying to follow closely through turn 16 and 17 was was really the only way that I could get close enough and have an opportunity to make the, the DRS uh, impactful. And um, yeah, I was finally, you know, pressed it, pressed every button on the steering wheel and maximum power and uh, I didn't know how far across he was going to go, but I, in the second decision, decided to go to the right. It was just enough space there, but Charles was really uh, fair. Yeah, great racing.
3: Louis having that base on, on the race was just incredible. I mean, the, the race that Louis did was really, really great. And that pass
0: on Charles Leclerc. Oh, it was beautiful, wasn't it? I mean, 235 miles an hour. He's done 320 odd races.
4: It was balletic. <laughs> it was toning to watch. It was like it choreographed. Was just
3: utter commitment, wasn't it? That's what we love to see in Formula One. That's what we, you know, those are the kind of overtakes that we want to see.
0: I agree. Tell us a little bit more about the progress that Merck have made in the last two races. The new floor came last week in Austin. Lewis finishes second on the road. Obviously, it gets taken away for the the plank infringement, but it feels that you now have the second fastest car in Formula One. Maybe not over one lap, Ferrari have proved that, but over a race distance, you're, Second to and as to Red we Bull. know,
4: what does one lap matter if you can't convert it to a win in the race? Good. I mean, that's right. what's so disheartening for Ferrari, isn't it? Great, well done. You put it on pole, but what does it mean?
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean, fair enough. If you start at the front, you get an advantage. Anyways, if you don't have a great pace, you know, you're in a position where you can protect. But, you know, Mercedes as a team, uh, the whole team is very motivated. And they're working really hard to close the gap to Red Bull. We have made very good progress. So everyone in the team is really pushing and, and looking forward to, you know, to the next couple of races. Mexico is an outlier because of the altitude and the characteristics of the of the circuit. It's it's pretty difficult to judge, you know, our performance, let's say, relative to our competitors here and how it will be for the rest of the season. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to see how we perform in Brazil. One thing about Lewis's
0: tire management in the race today, he seemed nervous at the restart about whether he could make the medium tire last. He then goes and sets the fastest lap of the race on the final lap, which suggests that he maybe could have pushed a little bit harder
3: throughout that stint. Would you agree? Lewis is very strong in that kind of situations. And I think he says some things to kind of like let it out of his system is not necessarily meaning that that's what he believes but it's just like getting that out of the system and you know if I would be in his position it's like a psychological process to try to increase or maximize your situation and he's done that a couple of times uh, in his career where you know sometimes he he makes an indication and then he does totally the opposite and he's like you know mega and doing the fastest laps and Incredible stints, and I think today was a good example of it. The that. is, you
4: can't keep doing that because people read <laughs> through; they see through it, don't they? Well,
3: I think people are. <laughs> well,
4: they are. I mean, they're like, "Come on, give but, us a break." But what, he
3: is a
0: master, though, at, at tire management. I mean, look at the difference between him and George in that final stint. George said he his tires fell off a cliff and managed, uh, and Lewis managed to hold them in there.
3: His tire management, his brake temperature management, engine temperature management—all of those variables, Lewis is thinking on every detail, and and he's really good at that.
4: That's so interesting because I wonder, in layman's terms, how much of a difference a driver can actually make to all of the above, and clearly they can.
3: Yes, massively, especially in a place like Mexico where you gain a big benefit if you manage it well. That's why very often you see cars uh, taking air and not taking the toll, because you want to make sure your brakes don't go too far high. and and you have to time that properly, because you could obviously not get the benefit of the toll, but you could get more benefit by having your brakes in a much better stage, or your engine. or and, and so those variables come into play.
0: So coming to you, your fourth podium of the year. Very well done to
8: you. In terms of the win, was there any coming back after what happened at Turn 1? I mean, we broke... Um Part of the front wing into turn one and uh, then on the radio they told me that we were lacking I think 10 or 15 points uh, but to be honest I managed to uh, drive around it and it didn't feel too bad um, so that was positive of course it's never ideal to uh, lose so many points uh, downforce points into turn one but it's, uh, it, it's like this and then we managed to, uh, to do a good race from that moment onwards but of course it compromised a little bit our race. Can you talk us through what happened at turn 1 with Checo as well from your point of view? He says it's a racing accident. What's your thought? I think exactly the same. I mean, I had nowhere to go. I I tried to stay on the right as much as possible, as close as I could to Max. But unfortunately, there was no space anymore for me to uh, be any more to the right. I think Checo was probably not aware that I had Max on my right and started to turn in. And when I saw that, I I knew that we would collide at one point, which we did. And after that, I was uh, extremely surprised that I could uh, finish the race anyway. So given that, are you very pleased to be on the podium? very pleased is not the world um, because, yeah, I mean, uh, yesterday was again a really good day, a really good Saturday, um, really good pace in qualifying, but then we don't quite have the car to win uh, races on Sunday. So that's where we are going to try and uh, put all our effort into uh, for next year in order to be better the, the Sunday.
0: Do you know what? Fred was the only person in the sort of senior management at Ferrari who wasn't surprised that Charles took pole position. I think everyone else in this paddock was, but he wasn't. He's just
4: saying that. is just saying
3: that. <laughs> <laughs> I, think they, I think nobody at Ferrari knows how they got that pole. <laughs> how they got that, because it, it was really a surprise for everyone.
4: Do you know what, though? We say it was a surprise. Got back-to-back poles. Yes. And looking at Carlos, he got pole in Italy and Singapore. So, yes. actually, their single-lap credentials aren't in in doubt, wanted, are uh, they? I mean, it's is, is, is the race pace, the race
0: pace yeah. and the tires egg where the problems start to creep in.
3: They were not great in Q1 and Q2 and then suddenly in Q3 they were like, boom, fantastic. Has
0: Fred got what it takes to turn it
3: around at Ferrari and get them back winning championships? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I put all my bets on him on making Ferrari successful again. What is it about him that's so convincing? It's straight to the point, very transparent. It gives a big priority to the basics. And sometimes in in Formula One, we go too much into the details that we forget the big picture. And, And Fred is very good at sometimes taking a step back, looking at the whole situation and setting the right priorities.
1: And we see Lando Norris forcing his rival off the racing line to pass the racetrack he doesn't want, tries the up and under. Is it going to be another classic move? Elbows out, Lando Norris has done it again! The crowd adore it, it's another fine overtake and a great way to take fifth place. Aye aye,
3: yeah, it's getting really clear But yeah, amazing race, what a great pace, so sorry about yesterday. Once I put it together, we'll be back on the podium. Both McLarens
0: came home in the points, but the pace of Lando Norris in the second half of that race must have left the team feeling that it was an opportunity that had gone missing. I caught up with Andrea Stella, the team principal, to give us more. Well, Andrea, I'd love to know what you're thinking after a race like that. Such a brilliant
5: race by both of your drivers, but particularly Lando.
0: But are you also feeling that was an opportunity gone missing? Had he started higher up?
5: Yes, we have the feeling that uh, we missed a bit of an opportunity because the pace of the car was uh, strong in a way was stronger than we would have expected or we could expect given the characteristic of the track but once again this is same as Austin so we are now trying to figure out whether we have genuinely improved the car even in this kind of bumpy tracks which require a lot of traction at the same time in reality, our feelings is not about the missed opportunity, but it's about the recovery. After a difficult Saturday, especially on Lando's side, where because of issues we were out in Q1, uh, it was important really to regain the positions where uh, he belongs and to do it in the way he did it today. What I said to Lando is like, uh, not only I think this is one of your best races, but I think this is one of the best races from a driver that I could witness myself. Like. If you think uh, 30 laps to go, it was P14 on the wall. We were thinking points have gone for Lando today. And then step by step, he overtook everyone at a track in which most drivers yesterday say it was so difficult to overtake. So remarkable, remarkable performance by Lando. And it was also a strong performance by Oscar, who was the first time for him at, in Mexico. He drove uh, a very solid uh, race weekend. He had a damaged car uh, as well in the final part of the race, but still managed to be competitive. So uh, more a sense of like uh, we are happy with the achievement today. Certainly, had we started at the front, we could have fought for uh, podium once again. Can I just take you back to something you said about Lando's race? You said
0: this is one of the best races I've been involved with in your career. So are we talking that includes races you did with Alonso, with Schumacher?
5: Yes. You know, just overtaking, I think uh, he must have overtaken nine cars just in the final uh, 25 laps. Cars that were, okay, little difference of tyres here and there. But, uh, you know, everyone on the same fuel, everyone restarting from a grid, actually under lost position. And even the initial part of the race, overtaking once again. So, um, you know, like... The, the race that comes to my mind is the Jensen race in Canada. You know, the one where he drove from uh, from the back to win in the the race. Uh, I think this one it doesn't it doesn't lead to the same kind of uh, outcome of a victory, but is as remarkable, I would say. So does this give you loads of confidence going
0: to Sao Paulo next weekend?
5: Well, loads of confidence, I think, is you know, would be um, a little unrealistic. It gives us a bit more uh, confidence than we had before the start of this triple header, where we thought that uh, fighting for podiums was out of reach. And then we find ourselves here, uh, you know, like in Austin actually leading the race. And today saying, had we started more uh, at the front, we could have been uh, on the podium. So this is positive. At the same time, one reason why I say we are realistic, if you look at qualifying, we were alpha second off pole position. So we definitely have uh, work to do. We definitely have, uh, in some respect, even some headache. But that's the nature of Formula One. It's complex. It makes it more interesting and uh, gives you opportunities to create a competitive advantage. great Thank you very much. Good luck next weekend. Thank you very much.
0: Lando Norris starts the race P17. In that second stint was. Unstoppable by the second stint. I mean, after the red flag, was unstoppable on his way to P5. Extraordinary.
4: Yeah, he went P17 to P10, back down to P14. It was because he pitted just P5. before
0: the red flag. But he? also,
4: he didn't have a great restart. He got swallowed up, didn't he? And I wonder how much better his race could have been had he had a better restart. But I think the red flag did sort of scupper him a bit, didn't it?
3: I think he was not happy from his resulting quality. He just got extra energy and just gave it all. And yeah, it was impressive how he managed the tires and. At the end, you know, the pace he had was pretty impressive.
0: Because McLaren came into this weekend saying, oh, in fact, I've, I've stopped believing racing drivers actually, because oh, yeah. both drivers were saying, oh, this isn't going to suit yeah, our car. I, I Alex Albon said the same about know. the
4: win. I'm not sure they know. I think there's a few teams, Ferrari, McLaren, Williams, that genuinely don't know how they're going to fare from race track to race track. And it is so track specific look at Alex, I don't want to to come off Lando for a moment, but can we just talk about Alex for a second? Alex was unbelievable in free practice and then there's a slight temperature drop Had a pretty shocking qualifying and then he's able to pull it back to the points for the race
3: The tyres are so sensitive to temperatures that if they fall off from that window you have a massive shift on balance and overall performance and if the driver doesn't get that confidence then it it really breaks you and it's one of the things that happens on the race as well the more the tire is wearing the less rubber there is to generate heat in the tire so it's like a a, a cycle that you know goes against you if you don't treat the tire as well and you don't keep them in the temperature.
0: The red flag, I think, really helped McLaren. They were saying that the cooler the track temperature, the better the McLaren performs. And it was at 46 degrees just before the red flag. And by the end of the race, it was down to 34 degrees. So that definitely helped Lando. And maybe that went against Alex as the track, you know, is it got cooler? Maybe he struggled a little bit more. But I'm really fascinated by the season that Lando Norris is having and his teammate. Oscar Piastri, the rookie, first time here, must be so difficult to be A, alongside Lando in that situation, but B, this is such a difficult technical track, as you've been saying, Esteban. But where do you rank Lando Norris
3: in this grid of young chargers that we have now? Very highly, very, very highly. I mean, he's proven that not only once, but many times. And as a team, McLaren, the step they made in in Silverstone, I don't remember in the last 10, 15 years, a team making such a big step in performance (laughs) so uh, it was great to see those kind of things you know like big shifts on on performance we have Aston Martin that suddenly they are nowhere and and that's we can we can recognize how competitive is Formula One and how impressive it is in many ways
1: and Daniel Ricciardo who will return to the points in Formula One with seventh position. Ricciardo giving a great result for Alpha
0: Tauri.
3: When I saw the red flag I was like oh because the race was kind of just going very nice and smooth and we were in fifth and
0: everything was kind of on plan and at that point it looked like we could have finished fifth but that's racing. These things happen, and it's the same for everyone. So we, well, it's the same for everyone, but it isn't because some people had different tires for the restart. So we were probably a
9: little bit, a little bit hindered to maybe some cars with a medium. But I think we still did well to to still grab the top seven. We fought George on the last lap. You know, I think uh, six would have been even nicer. But to fight a Mercedes at the end of the race, it's definitely more fun
0: fighting at the front. <laughs> it's um, just feels better. Feels right, so uh, happy with the weekend and we'll try to keep this thing rolling. There is one man we must talk about, that is Daniel Ricciardo. Pinks, I know you know him very well. He comes back from injury last weekend in Austin. He has, I think we can say, a, a pretty average weekend in Austin.
4: Can I interject and there though? I don't think enough was made about the damage that he was carrying through that race, because I don't think he even knew the extent of it. The team certainly didn't.
0: I get that, but I'm also so thinking he, earlier in the weekend as well with yeah. the one lap pace. But so, so, he comes here, and from his first lap out, yeah. he was on it, and I was, and the juxtaposition of what he was doing versus what Checo was doing was all too obvious for us to see, really. But have you been surprised by Daniel?
4: I, I haven't been surprised because, you know, form is temporary, talent is permanent, and I think we all know what he's capable of. What the frustration has been for all of us who are supporters of him is he hasn't had the opportunity to show it. He comes back, gets the opportunity at AlphaTauri, breaks his hand. I mean, like, what are the chances? And then it doesn't prove to be a clean break, because initially he thought, like Lance, he'd be able to come back quite quickly. It was shattered. I mean, seven breaks in his hand. So it's, it's just been a strange time for him, hasn't it? But I think we all know what he's capable of. I think he needed this weekend to really prove it, though, because confidence is a big thing in this game. And he needed for that to be bolstered. Put it P4. No, was it P4? in Yeah, 20? P4. I mean, even saying that sounds weird, doesn't it? P4 in an AlphaTauri to yeah. outqualify a Red
0: Bull. Uh, and to be one tenth behind Max Verstappen.
4: It's crazy. I suppose on paper, you might think it's a bit disappointing because at the time, Martin Brundle said to me on air, I think he could get a podium today. And of course, you get a bit excited thinking, no, not in an Alpha Tari, surely not. So to finish P7 on paper, you're like, oh, it's a bit disappointing. You've got to remember, that's their best result of the season.
3: And it's not only about the absolute result, it's also about the pace he had on the race. Uh, it was impressive. But you can see the hunger that he has to get back into winning ways. It was like the
0: 2018 spec Daniel, really, I felt. It was um, the first time we've really seen that from him, I think, since he was in the Red Bull. Do you know what, there was an interesting question in the press conference on Thursday. I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember it exactly, but it was words to the effect of- You probably
4: asked the question, how can you remember?
0: (laughs) It was words to the effect of, it was a local journalist who said, Daniel, are you more of an entertainer or a racing driver? And I felt that somehow hurt him. I am a serious racing Maybe driver. it was a was catalyst.
4: It, I don't know. I just. I, I, do you know what? It's so funny you say that because I saw a cutaway of him in the garage. So the camera's cut to him and he didn't break a smile. And normally he'd beam a smile and he's probably thinking, do you know what? I'm going to prove a few people yeah. wrong this weekend. I'm not a joker. The minute the visor comes down, I'm a ruthless racer. He just tapped back into that.
0: My God, he proved it as well. I, I, I'm just can't wait to see what he can go on to achieve in these last three races. The car... Has had some upgrades on it. It's consistent. It's fast. I think he's bringing the best out of Yuki. I mean, boy. What a shame,
4: though, that Yuki today. President and CEO
0: of the Yuki Sonoda fan club, Natalie Pinkham, by the way. Yesterday. I just
4: think he's really cute, and I quite like <laughs> it when he gets really angry on Team Radio because it's Must like have
0: enjoyed today.
4: That I know. No, I didn't because I thought, oh my god, they're going to be off this massive points haul. To, in- to get both Alphataries into the points was a huge deal. And then he just goes for this move on Oscar and I was like, no, 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 don't and
3: do he it, he was doing Hiki. a great race. You're having a yeah. great
4: race. And then actually they beat out most of the team radio because it was probably unusable because <laughs> he just squares so much. <laughs> now, he's a, he's a great character. And I think that's a nice dynamic between him and Daniel. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think it works really well. And of course, that P7 bumped them up to eighth in the Constructors' Championship, having held the wooden spoon for most of the season. So that's great for Alpha Tauri. Now, Mexico turned into a very difficult weekend for Aston Martin. Both of their cars retiring after what had been a very difficult weekend right from the beginning. Here's Tom McCulloch, their chief race engineer. Tom, it's difficult to know where to start with this interview because after Austin, the message coming from the team was that you'd made progress in that race, yet this looked incredibly difficult from the word go here
9: in Mexico. Um, yeah, definitely. We had a difficult weekend in Austin as far as, uh, it wasn't until the main race that we, having started from pit lane, tried some different setups on the cars, and we, we did come out of that weekend happy with the pace and the performance of the car at that track. You know, a week later, we put the same car out on the track here, and really from the, the get go, we've lacked performance. Obviously a lot of low speed corners here, uh, and, you know, we've struggled to give the car, the, the you know, a car competent enough for the drivers to, to attack. As you've seen, Fernando spun three times this weekend, which is very atypical for him. You know, it's a tight grid. And if you're not getting the most out of your car, a track that isn't really suited your car, before you know it, it goes wrong pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, really tough weekend for us. Plenty of good data for us to pick the bones through and try to bounce back strongly uh, next week in uh, Brazil. Is it track specific or is there something with the upgrade that's just not working? I think it really is um, track specific. When you look at uh, the pace we had in, in Austin in the race, you know, Lance from the pit lane had strong pace as well as it wasn't just the results, the pace was there, that kind of a track. Uh, the same car, you know, is what we struggle with this weekend with a very, very different uh, kind of track. So you know I don't have all the answers at this stage, Tom, but we're gonna dig through it all and uh, try and bounce back with the learning that we've gathered this weekend and uh, go from there.
0: Is it moments like this when you really lean on the experience of a driver like Fernando Alonso?
9: You know I often say the drivers are the best sensors in the car and we're such a data-driven world nowadays and we've got a lot of really good sensors don't get me wrong and we do a lot of good analysis with it but the driver feels everything you know through his backside and he's also looking relative to other cars when he spends 71 laps in a race or didn't quite get to the end today Um, but yeah he's invaluable, he's strong, he's so good with his feedback, he's efficient with his feedback you know he doesn't talk, every word is worth listening to in a debrief, there's no talk for talking sake and uh the two drivers give us the same feedback so that's good um got to use the data and uh and learn from it the perception tom is that the performance on this car has got worse as the
0: years gone on but if you took the car you had today back to bahrain
9: would it be quicker than it was at the start of the year you know, it's a relative game, isn't it? So if everyone had the same car in Bahrain as they have now, then, you know, that'd be a different story. Um, you take this car back to Bahrain, you know, it should be quicker. All our data saying it should be quicker. You now, have we developed as much as some of the other teams? No, you know, and that's, that's for us to look at and to understand and see how we can uh, keep adding more performance to the car. Best of luck with that. Thanks, Tom, cheers.
0: It's very rare that you get a team start really strong and then tail off. To the extent that we've seen from Aston Martin this year. I mean, I know since the summer break, yes, Fernando Alonso got that podium at Zandvoort, but that was a wet race. And I think that was, Fernando Alonso had an awful lot to do with that performance. But it must be incredibly demoralizing, really, for the team. And I know that last weekend in Austin, they put the cars, they started from the pit lane so that they could put one car on the, on the, the, with the new floor and one car with the old floor so they could back to back them. They committed right from the start here to run both cars with all the updates on them. And it looked a real handful.
3: They keep getting uh, mechanical failures. No? I think they had in Austin, they have here again. Sometimes they show good performance, but then they cannot really use that performance for a good result. I don't know what's your opinion, but I think they're going also through a change on the factory. Maybe that has uh, an effect on the, on the whole operation of, of the team. They seem to be positioning themselves well for, for the future. But yeah, uh, this season, it's been a bit of a, let's say, disappointment from them. Uh, you know, it must be so frustrating, you know, as a yeah, team. Yeah.
0: And I'm so, I agree with everything you've just said, but I'm so reluctant to use the D word, the disappointment word, because let's not forget that they scored only 55 points last year in the, and, and they had two good drivers, Sebastian Vettel was driving for them. And yet this year they've already scored 236 points, I think it is. So it's night and day different. It's just the nature in which
3: it's tailed off, I think, that is hard to shy away from. Yes, it's true. I didn't mean, you know, with the D word that they have been a disappointment. It's more like being in that position, it must be, you know, tough, a tough challenge. I'm sure they will, you know, find their way and get back up and, you know, hopefully in the last couple of races we'll see a very good competition between them and McLaren.
0: Now, Pink's talked about Alex Albon a little bit earlier, but I'm fascinated by Williams at the moment because they haven't developed their car in ages. They're a team in transition. It's worth saying that Pat Fry is joining them this coming Wednesday actually in a very senior technical role so that will help steer the ship I think Pat is even coming uh, to Brazil next weekend but what do you make of Alex Albon first of all the, the race he drove today uh, to P9 but also the
3: season he's had Alex seems to have found a good balance in you know in his life overall and he seems really stable and very reliable and, and very consistent uh, as a driver and also quick so it's it's quite nice to see. There's also another element on the Williams ecosystem that I give a high importance, that's James Vows. James was at Mercedes, as, as we all know, and he's a very, very good professional for that position that he took at Williams, and he's making a great difference. James is a smart cookie, isn't he? Of course, you work with him here at Mercedes. Yeah, he's really smart. He's great at, you know, execution and putting the right priorities in place and he's doing a great job at Williams you could you can already see that effect uh that he's having in in the work that he's putting at Williams. I love to see a driver
0: you know come back from the low of being thrown out of Red Bull, Red Bull Racing I'm talking about in in the case of Alex Albon and yet finding a new home getting his confidence back and becoming a seriously good Formula One driver again. It's it's
3: it yeah, almost feels
0: redemption almost.
3: It's all in the psychology, right? There there's such you know big jumps on you know different kind of situations and, and depending on how you approach those situations and and use those situations to change things for for your future, um, psychology is really strong, the mental approach.
0: And of course, we could say the same really about both Alpine drivers. Esteban Ocon coming home in 10th place, Pierre Gasly in 11th. Ocon, remember, after Force India, he had to come and sit a year out. Actually, he was at Mercedes for a year as their third reserve driver. I remember him being so frustrated. Pierre Gasly got the axe from Red Bull Racing as well, and they've both found a home at Alpine, and they're both driving phenomenal seasons. Pierre Gasly in particular, actually, since the summer break, has scored 36 points in the seven races since then, whereas he scored only 22 points in the 14 races before the summer break. So I don't know what he did in the summer break, but he, he's definitely found some momentum since then.
3: What do you think of Alpine? Alpine has always been up and down. They achieved their best result last year. I was actually having a chat with Otmar, who was there as a team principal um he did a good job there and i think from my perspective and then this year it seems a bit up and down they managed to perform and they managed to be in the points but i don't know i don't i never seem to understand you know or know what to expect from them i think it's a race to race thing they have very good drivers uh, i think both pierre and and esteban are are very good and, and it's a good pair uh, to have it was funny how esteban in in the race i don't know if you noticed but uh He was calling on the radio to his engineer, telling or asking the engineer to let Haas know that he was going to go for it (laughs) when he was running behind Nico. That was funny.
0: Well, of course, that Haas driver that he was talking about, Nico Hülkenberg, celebrating 200 Grand Prix this year, former teammate of yours back in your Sauber days, 10 years ago. Goodness me. What a driver. What a comeback, actually,
3: from him after sitting out for three years. He's already had a couple of uh, situations like that. We all know Nico is a very strong driver. He's really competitive.
0: When you looked at his data back in the Sauber days, what does Hülkenberg do with the car that is special?
3: Um, He's very good at maximizing the performance in, in many areas. I think Nico, I don't know, somehow he has this strong energy and he puts that into the car and into the races that that he does and and he's really persistent you know like doesn't give up and just you know goes for it and has no second thoughts on anything so he's really consistent very solid he's a driver that should have already been on the podium many times and isn't it crazy probably been you know won many races i don't know what didn't work out there uh, so far he's maybe we <laughs> will see him on the podium hopefully <laughs> well
0: he's had a bunch of fourth places but every time a podium has come sniffing it hasn't happened for whatever reason and I think of Brazil 2012 when he went to overtake Lewis Hamilton for the lead and they ended up making contact so of course he didn't win that race then there was a chance of a podium I think at Hockenheim in 2019 in
3: the Renault and spun out of that it's just yeah he had those opportunities yeah and it's probably in that moment where you can make the difference and some drivers do and some others don't Uh, and it's handling that pressure. So the top 10 looked like this. Max Verstappen took win
0: number five here in Mexico City and his sweet 16th of the season, that being a new record, of course. Lewis Hamilton was second and Charles Leclerc went from pole to third. Carlos Sainz was fourth in the second Ferrari and Lando Norris drove that stunning race from P17 to P5. George Russell was sixth in the second Mercedes with Daniel Ricciardo giving Alfa Tauri their best result of the season in seventh. Oscar Piastri was 8th in the second McLaren. Alex Albon 9th, his second consecutive points finish. And Esteban Ocon rounded out the top 10 in 10th. In the Drivers' Championship, Max Verstappen now has a whopping 491 points. That's 251 clear of his teammate Sergio Perez in second. Lewis Hamilton is third, 20 points further back. And then come Carlos Sainz and Fernando Alonso in 4th and 5th, both tied on 183. Lando Norris is 6th on 169, with Charles Leclerc now just three points behind Norris in 7th. George Russell is 8th, Oscar Piastri is ninth, and Pierre Gasly is 10th on 56. In the Constructors' Championship, Red Bull have 731 points. That's 360 clear of Mercedes in second place. The fight for second is close, however, with Ferrari in third place, just 22 points behind Merck. McLaren have consolidated their fourth place, now 20 points ahead of Aston Martin in fifth. Alpine are the Lone Rangers in sixth on 101 points. Williams are seventh on 28, And Alpha Tauri are the big winners here in Mexico, jumping from 10th to 8th on 16 points. Alfa Romeo in ninth and Haas are 10th with 12 points. Well, guys, it's been great to chat. The party vibe is still going on. As ever, we need to state our driver of the day. Lando Norris got the vote on the telly. Any advance on Lando? Natalie Pinkham. The thing is, I'm going to sound
4: biased, but I want to say Daniel. I Why also not? think Lewis, though. I mean, I think Lewis had a great... Lewis?: it, it to Lewis. It's <laughs> it. Well, of course you do. It's crazy, though, when you've got Max Verstappen breaking records that we're not picking Max but you know, perhaps you have to go for an alternative now and
3: again. Why, why Lewis? The way he managed the racecraft, he made an incredible overtake and the pace he had, a lot of control. Yeah, everything. I think one of the best races he's done this year, right?
4: Well, you could tell yeah. by his reaction as well. He yes. was pumped on the podium. He was,
3: and already you could see that from Austin. So, I love seeing a smiling Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. He's He's, uh, buzzing. he's a mega driver.
0: Well, I'm going to go for Lando Norris, as you asked. I thought he was completely mega today. Yeah, he was brilliant. I, I mean, driver of the day. We're not talking in the weekend because you couldn't say that after what happened in qualifying. But I just thought he was clean, he was decisive, and he was fast, and he was consistent. Everything that Lando, we know Lando Norris can be. And do you know what he
4: said his favourite moment was? Overtaking Daniel. <laughs>
0: course they're mates right? That was close though wasn't yeah. it? Ooh. Do you know what we did see some good overtaking in this Grand Prix whether it was Lewis on Charles Leclerc, that move Lando on Daniel there was just plenty going on. The only one that wasn't so good was Checo <laughs> right I at the know, start. What but a shame. What a shame. Come back stronger next year Checo.
4: Well, next weekend. I mean, that's the good thing from his point of view, isn't it? Is that actually we haven't got long to wait till we go racing again. I think I, I, mean, I can't answer for you, but as a racer, that's all you want, isn't it? Just to shake things off, draw a line under it and come back stronger.
3: Yes, yeah, certainly. And, and the way you take this experience and turn it around to more energy and more motivation, uh, it's going to be interesting to see that from Checo in Brazil.
0: Let's check in with our F1 Fantasy Team now, F1 Nation Racing. And after a challenging couple of races, it's not been a bad weekend for us, with 301 points in total. All of our drivers finished in the top 10, our decision to bring in Lewis Hamilton and Daniel Ricciardo finally paid off, while Norris, Piastri and Sainz all delivered valuable points, and we've moved up. To 840th in the F1 Nation World Championship. TJGP67 continues to lead the way with a 21 point lead over MLN Racing in second. And we have a new team on the podium in Yuki Loves Pierre, who have climbed up to P3. We're going to stick with our lineup as it is for the next race. But if you want to make changes to your team before the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, then remember it's an F1 sprint, so you have until the start of qualifying on Friday to do just that. Great, well guys, travel safe. Pinks. Muchas gracias. See? You. Thank you. Take it's lovely, care. Yeah, thank you. Love to see you. Love to see you. you. Yes, see man, you thank you so much for your Muchas time as well. Gracias. Thank you at home for listening. The show is of course nothing without you. We will of course be back next Monday with our review of the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. But for now, F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios.